January 15, 1947, was a cold, dreary morning for Los Angeles. Betty Bursinger, a local housewife, left her home on Norton Avenue in the Lemert Park section of the city. She was headed for a shoe repair shop and took her three-year-old daughter with her. As the two of them walked up the street and approached the corner of Norton and 39th, they passed many vacant lots bordering the sidewalks. When World War II struck, development had slowed in the city of Angels. Because the war had ended only a year and a half prior, construction was slow to start up once again. This left the lots looking abandoned and eerie, which already put Ed Betty on edge that morning. While Betty walked along the sidewalk, she noticed something white among the weeds. She didn't think much of it at first, as many people would throw trash into the vacant lots. As she glanced at the object, she initially thought someone had thrown away a store mannequin. It seemed like an odd object to throw away, and it was even stranger that the mannequin had been separated into halves. Betty continued to walk forward, yet something drew her attention back to the mannequin. Upon closer inspection, she realized that the mannequin was not a mannequin at all. It was actually a woman who had been severed in half. Betty gave a panicked scream and let her daughter away from the gruesome sight. She quickly rushed to a nearby house to call the police. Officers Frank Perkins and Will Fitzgerald arrived to the scene within minutes. When they noticed the naked body of a woman who had been cut in half, they were able to confirm Betty Bersinger's story and immediately called for backup. The Los Angeles Police Department noted that the woman's body seemed to have been posed. The woman was lying on her back with her arms raised over her shoulders and her legs were spread in a twisted display of seductiveness. There were cuts and abrasions across her body and her mouth had been sliced to extend her smile from ear to ear. Investigators believe she had been tied down and tortured for several days due to the rope marks on her wrists, ankles, and neck. Her naked body had been cleanly sliced in half just above the waist. There was no blood present on the woman's body, and there was none on the grass beneath her either. Investigators determined that she must have been killed elsewhere, cleaned of blood, and then dumped in the vacant lot overnight. Detective Lieutenant Jesse Haskins described the condition of the body when he first arrived at the crime scene. The body was lying with the head towards the north, the feet towards the south, the left leg was five inches west of the sidewalk. The body was lying face up, and the severed part was jogged over about 10 inches, the upper half of the body from the lower half. There was a tire rack right up against the curb, and there was what appeared to be a possible bloody heel mark in this tire mark, and on the curbing, which is very low there, was one spot of blood, and there was an extremely empty paper cement lack slying in the driveway, and it also had a spot of blood on it. It had been brought there from some other location. The body was clean and appeared to have been washed. While the LAPD had to frequently investigate homicides, the horrible nature of this case made it a top priority. It just wasn't every day that a woman was found severed in two next to the sidewalk. Captain John Denejo assigned two senior detectives to the case, Detective Sergeant Harry Hansen and Detective Finnis Brown. By the time Heron and Finnis received their orders and arrived at the scene, 
News of the gruesome murder had already spread. The crime scene was teeming with reporters, photographers, and a crowd of curious onlookers. Hansen was furious that civilians and careless officers were trampling the crime scene and destroying evidence, so he ordered the public to immediately clear the area. While the detectives investigated the crime scene, the woman's body was transported to the Los Angeles County morgue. The LAPD wanted to identify her as quickly as possible. They lifted her fingerprints and needed to safely send them to the FBI headquarters in Washington, D.C. However, severe winter storms at the time had the potential to delay the identification request for up to a week. That was far too much time to waste for a homicide investigation. Nicknamed the Black Dahlia, Elizabeth Short was brutally murdered in Los Angeles in 1947. Her body cut in half and severally mutilated, and her killer was never found. I'm Giovanni Pamela, and in today's podcast, we'll be looking into the death of Elizabeth Short, or the Black Dahlia. Short was born on July 29, 1924, in Boston, Massachusetts, the third of five daughters born to Cleo and Phoebe May Swoyer Short. Cleo abandoned the family when Short was only five years old. At a young age, Short developed a strong affinity for cinema. By her teens, she had her sights set on becoming an actress. By the mid-40s, Short was living in Los Angeles, California, working as a waitress to support herself while dreaming of catching her big break into Hollywood's acting scene. Her chance at stardom, however, would never come. In January 1947, a horrible tragedy occurred. At the age of 22, Short was brutally murdered in Los Angeles, her body cut in half and severely mutilated. It was pretty gruesome. Brian Carr, a detective with the Los Angeles Police Department who has long been working on Dahlia case, later said, I just can't imagine someone doing that to another human being. In addition to dissecting and mutilating her body, Short's killer had drained her corpse of blood and scrubbed it clean. The case quickly became heavily covered by the media. The case itself took on a life of its own, Carr said. Early on, I think for two months, it was front-page news in all of the local papers every day. An in-depth, lengthy investigation of the LAPD ensued, leading to a number of false reports, including several false murder confessions and ultimately leaving detective grasping at straws. The sole witness of the murder had reported seeing a black sedan parked in the area in the early morning hours but could provide little evidence. The combination of faulty witnesses and the lack of hard evidence surrounding the case greatly hindered its progress, and despite numerous allegations and leads over the years, the Black Dahlia's killer was never found. Today, the Black Dahlia murder remains one of the oldest case films in LA, as well as the city's most famous. In early 2013, the Black Dahlia case returned to the headlines. An article in San Bernardino Sun detailed a more recent investigation of the case that was conducted by retired police sergeant Paul Dosti, author Steve Hodel, and a police dog named Buster with a keen sense of smell, specifically that of decomposing flesh 
which she was trained to detect. According to The Sun, the investigative team had uncovered incriminating evidence against Hodel's father, Dr. George Hill Hodel, who the younger Hodel has long believed to be the Black Dahlia killer. In February 2013, the team conducted an extensive search of the doctor's home where Buster had previously detected that scent of human decomposition in several areas of the basement, according to reports. Following their search, soil samples taken from Dr. Hodel's home were reportedly submitted for lab testing. Other evidence against George Hodel, according to his son, includes an old recording of a conversation between the doctor and an unknown person, during which Hodel allegedly stated, Suppose I did kill the Black Dahlia. They couldn't prove it now. They can't talk to my secretary because she's dead. While the FBI was identifying Elizabeth Short, her body was being examined in the coroner's office. The autopsy revealed multiple lacerations to the face and head. There was no sperm present on the body because the killer had washed it clean. There were numerous cuts and a crisscross pattern over her pubic area, and her pubic hair had been removed by hand. Most of the damage done seemed to have been post-mortem, including the severing of the victim's body at her waist. The official cause of death was hemorrhage and shock due to concussion of the brain and lacerations of the face. My question is, what could Elizabeth have done to cause George Hodel, one of her ex-boyfriends, to kill her in such a way? He wasn't mentally deranged. I mean... He was a physician himself, and he never appeared to show any symptoms of psychotic behaviors. So, with all of that taken into consideration, was George her killer, or could there have been someone else in the picture? What do you think? Thanks for watching. You can listen to all podcasts here on Spotify.